Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Thanks for joining us. We share the stories of individuals who have broken into cybersecurity within the past couple of years, sharing their tips, tricks, and suggestions for you to join, you to follow in their journey. Uh, today, we have Aaron Brown, who comes from a full stack engineer background, and um, we're looking to learn a lot from his adventure. So, Aaron, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Chris. Hello, everyone. Uh, so, you know, I, I came from a military background, you know, then went into undergrad, uh, grad school, worked in the nonprofit world for a bit of time where, you know, I focused quite a bit on organizational design and capacity building. So using R and Python to create these ArcGIS overlays, uh, which then ended up, you know, me transitioning to the for-profit world into tech, um, eventually moving into software engineering, functioned as a uh, full-stack engineer for a while. Uh, and now I am the uh, head of cloud security for a fantastic startup called Vercel. Well, wow, you kind of breezed through that real quick. Let, let's take <laughs> let's take a step back. Yeah, so. yeah. So I, I, I breezed <laughs> over the part about uh, you know how I broke into cybersecurity, mostly because I knew that we'd be spending some uh, time unpacking that here in this session. But yeah, in terms of like the the full stack experience, uh, you know, I, I think that's really what um, provided me a lot of context to move into the application security field. Um, and then, you know, as well as working within, you know, the build and deploy pipelines, you know, it also um, allowed me to get more introduced um, and familiar with cloud, uh, which then, you know, uh, also just allows me to kind of continue to expand my my uh, breadth of knowledge uh, while still, you know, finding those areas that I, I'm particularly interested in um, and going narrow and deep on things like cloud, things like application, and then, you know, some uh, some different pieces within there as well. Well, but, let, yeah. let's even let's even take a, a step back from there. So yeah. um, you mentioned that you were in the military. Uh, what did you do in the military? Yeah. So when I joined, I, I joined straight out of high school and, you know, I went into the Army National Guard. I joined. Um, I initially signed up in July of 2001 um, and I needed to get some additional uh, physicals done. Um, which then pushed my, uh, you know, my actual join date out past September 11th. And, um, you know, that was obviously a, a very interesting time to be joining uh, the military. And, you know, ended up uh, still going in. Uh, mostly, you know, I had some friends that were going in with me as well. We, we initially entered as um, explosives engineer um, and then ended up getting transitioned and remobed as a military police officer to satisfy some um, you know, concerns stateside, uh, you know, half my battalion went overseas. I, I was one of the, uh, you know, fortunate ones that I was able to remain stateside and just, uh, you know, partner with the Air Force uh, Special Police uh, there and just did some, uh, a lot of flight line security and, uh, you know, travel with some sensitive aircraft. One of the things that I like to pull out from individuals, no matter their background, is the transferable skills that come with that. So I'm guessing the military police, uh, you had some investigations and you were able to do what we call OSINT in cybersecurity and do that sort of thing as a, a transfer out, but a, a skill that you are able to take with you at the rest of the journey. Would that be correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's important to always note the fact that there's really no traditional path into cybersecurity. Uh, everybody is going to blaze their own trail. They're going to, um, you know, come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Uh, they're going to come from, 
uh, different areas of, of knowledge and context. And all of that is very valuable to the to the cybersecurity space. I, I think um, I, I heard, you know, one of, one of the uh, podcasts with you where, you know, you spoke to um, the fact to be able to, you know, don't try to just start as as entry level as you're moving out of the military, right? Just try to make sure that you're carrying over, know your strengths, uh, and be able to communicate those and transfer transfer those skills over to the private sector. Yeah, absolutely. And then you mentioned you went into nonprofit after your your military service. What what was that in? And uh, let's talk about that journey. Yeah, so ended up going into the nonprofit world after I finished my undergrad and uh, grad school studies, um, which were kind of a, a mix of you know a lot of uh, policy um, as well as some you know I, I studied Arabic for six years um, and then ended up you know living abroad for a bit and worked as a field director for an NGO, uh, partnered with their uh, government entities to bring uh, additional resources into the country. Um, and, you know, I, I, I love the, the goal of what nonprofits uh, seek out to do, but, you know, a lot of times there's, of course, just a lot of inefficiencies um, in that sector, you know, just, uh, just, to, just due to how funding uh, can be restricted and, you know, kind of where, you know, a lot of times funding doesn't necessarily complement the mission. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that's where I ended up, you know, deciding to transfer into, um, you know, the, the for-profit world where, you know, it was, it was more clearly defined uh, what, the, what the goal is that we were going after. And I'm sure some of that allowed you to create things like structure and programs and uh, yeah. n- know how to find funding and, and make those relationships with others in the business. Because uh, that's an important skill in cybersecurity as well. We need to work with the business to do our projects. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think communication is one of the primary, um, you know, pieces uh, of skills that I'm looking for when I when I'm hiring for, you know, my team, right, is, you know, we're looking for people who can work across the business, who can ground risk, um, who can, you know, understand how to generate buy in, um, and how to move initiatives and programs throughout the company. Uh, you know, technology is an easier problem to solve than a, a human and, and behavior problem. And, you know, recreating workflows, recreating process, that takes a lot of time uh, and it just takes a lot of patience. And, and again, it just takes a lot of buying and being able to um, communicate out the risk of different uh, decision making and, you know, how we can move past that risk uh, either by mitigating um, or obviating in different ways. So you you come from these uh, police, um, nonprofit, policy how did you jump into full stack engineering and where did that come from? Yeah. So, you know, I, I started this company called Lending Club where, you know, I was focused on, you know, uh, a lot of the organizational design pieces and hiring pieces there. And, you know, then, you know, I, I started, you know, I, I had always had this interest in, you know, uh, building, right. I, I guess that's the best way to put it. Right. Like even when I was a kid, like I, I would take apart, you know, radios, electronics, and, you know, my, my parents can attest to this, you know, there are definitely times where I, I could not put them back together. I'd say, you know, most of the time I was unable, unable to put them back together. Right. But that didn't stop me from taking them apart. Right. Um, you know, it's always been interesting for me to learn how things work and then try to put them back together. Um, and, you know, I, I found that, you know, that's, that's a lot of, you know, the engineering world complements that quite a bit. Right. Um, and the ways that you can compose these different pieces of technology together, plumb these things, 
um, and allow you to come up with something new and novel. And, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, speaking with, you know, our VP of engineering there um, who had, you know, full support and trusted me in, you know, moving into this role. And, you know, so I took a, uh, an educational leave of absence for a few months, um, went to one of the, uh, the hacker uh, boot camps, which uh, was called Hack Reactor, I guess I should say full stack engineering boot camps, not, not necessarily a hacker boot camp. Um, and went there and, you know, once I was finished, you know, I, I had already had an, uh, an offer from, you know, Lending Club to move into their engineering organization. So, um, you know, worked there for uh, a handful of years, you know, across the stack, then moved out from there and, you know, ended up moving to a, a smaller startup where you know, I, I managed, um, you know, everything from, you know, code on the, on the developer's machine going into source control. Uh, and then finally making its way into production where users could actually touch it and, and make sense of it. Wow. So you went from not knowing technology to going to this boot camp and kind of picking it up and being able now to control and design it. Uh, what was that process like? Yeah. So I, I think some of what assisted me there was my my time in my uh, in my graduate studies, where I used a lot of R and Python to. And, and you're right, I, I did kind of uh, breeze over the intro. Um, and so you know where you know where I pulled out, you know, used R and Python to you know be able to aggregate these data sets together uh, to get an understanding of where you know our organizational services were either overlapping with you know our own services or other organizations. Um, and then also uh, for inefficiencies and then also find where gaps in those services were. Uh, so that way we could figure out, you know, where to deploy different, uh, different assets. Right. And so that is, and so I think that, you know, that initial understanding of how these pieces fit together, mm-hmm. um, you know, how language works when you're trying to communicate to a machine. Um, I think that assisted me and that gave me a leg up, but you know, I will say that there there were plenty of people who you know went into you know that that boot camp who ended up coming out and you know um, definitely accelerating you know more quickly in some ways. Um, and, and you know, I, I think if technology is something that you're interested in, you know, obviously there's plenty of resources out there. If engineering and coding is something you're interested, in, I should say, you know, plenty of resources out there, you know, to be able to learn and, and continue to uh, to grow yourself and you know, kind of whichever direction you're looking to go. Yeah, absolutely love that. I I think that's one of the things that I try to highlight all the time is you were doing it in your master's studies, you you were picking up an additional language, um, and and then you're taking that transferable skill again um, back into your, your, let's call it your portfolio of skills to, to grow yourself. And what got you into security? Like, what piqued your interest there? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just continuous learning, right? Like you, you never know what you're going to be interested in and passionate about until you start, you know, exploring it, right? Um, and, you know, I, I think, again, it kind of goes back to this, this breaker builder uh, mentality. I, I think a lot of times people try to put them on these different parallels, right? Um, or these different ends of the spectrum, but I, but I think they complement one another in, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, as, as I was, you know, functioning, working as an engineer, I, I also functioned as a security champion, um, where I got introduced to the security organization, you know, got introduced to my now boss and, you know, of three years and mentor Ty Spano, um, you know, and, you know, other, other security professionals at the organization. And, and I just really liked being able to take those skills back uh, to the team to be able to threat model. 
you know, because at the end of the day, you know, those who can threat model best is, you know, the teams that are building those threats, right, um, at the same time. And so I was able to take that back, you know, are, are we building out new endpoints? Great. Uh, you know, what services are they touching? How are they modifying it? Are, are, are they, you know, modifying critical services? Like, what are the changes that we're making? Um, and assisting our, our teams and thinking about security from, you know, the design phase up, right? Like, that, that's that's kind of the um, the ideal state when we're, as a security practitioner, right? Is how how soon in the SDLC are, are we talking about security? You know, the cliche is how how many touch points do we have along it? How early can we get in it? Um, and so... That's that's what initially got me really interested in security was the security champion aspect of it. You know, what could and then learning all of the, you know, the tools um, to hack into, you know, different systems. Right. Like just being able to like in map kind of just blew my mind initially. I was like, this is just super cool. Like, what what is this? Um, right. And, and then, you know, all of the other, you know, network sniffers. Right. Like there there's just. It was just this whole new world that was be, before was just this mysterious realm to me. And then all of a sudden, it just became this this tangible thing that I could actually touch. And I was like, oh, there's, you know, now I have an idea of what these what these packets are, right? Like, I can actually touch them and, you know, in some cases, see what's inside, uh, of course, based on the protocol, right? And so it was that and also just the poking from uh, Ty Spano to, you know, come join him and his uh, security team. Um oh. Let's throw out a, a big shout out to, to Ty because Ty has actually been very helpful in my, my own career. I, I've reached out to him very early on in my career and he shared advice. And so uh, another thing to highlight, fi find those mentors, find those supporters in Absolutely. the industry that are willing to sponsor you or uh, just poke you along the way to, to to get into the industry. So a uh, big shout out to Ty for that. Yeah, so, Absolutely. Uh, go, what was your your journey like? So was it a, a straight transition over or were you hunting and what was the hunt like? So, you know, I was fortunate enough to have, um, you know, have a Thai Spano, right? Um, in the sense that he was poking me, you know, I, I moved straight from engineering into the security world. Um, you know, I would say that a lot of my challenges early on in my first uh, security engineering role was being able to translate um, action or efforts into a an indicator of success, right? Um, I, I imagine that is, you know, felt the same by a lot of security practitioners in terms of like, how are we, how are we measuring our impact across the organization, right? You know, from Moving from, you know, the engineering world where I could get a green check mark if my tests are passing and then, you know, I get to move my, um, you know, my ticket from a, you know, in progress to done, I can be like, okay, great. Or, you know, I can see something actually, you know, paint the DOM and I can say, okay, wonderful. You know, this is, this is a new, uh, a new thing that I have done and I'm ready to ship it. Uh, you know, in the security world, it's a lot harder because, you know, how do we, how do we measure the negation of something, right? Like, oh, we are successful because you know this has not happened to us, right? Um, but I, but I think it's, <laughs> but I think it is important to you know um, have a well-defined uh, roadmap which you can pluck these things from, and that doesn't just mean like build out these enormous initiatives um, that okay, this is going to take six months, but I just have this one thing that I need to move from in progress to done. 
Um, you know, it's about being able to break those down into smaller units of work. Uh, that way, along the way, you get those quick wins and you you get those, you know, dopamine hits from, you know, being able to succeed. And, you know, and, and I think a lot of indicator of success there, and maybe I'm just kind of going off on a tangent and lost the original spirit of your question, but is being able to like see what your partners, um, how your partners are interacting with you across the organization as well. And, you know, I think that can also trust is just a great indicator of success as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's kind of hone in on you building up those security skills in, in your portfolio, as the analogy we used earlier. You mentioned Nmap. Um, I'm guessing you didn't go to a hacker account this time and you were doing it bit by bit. How how'd you go about doing that? Yeah, right. Like, you're right. Like, there was no time for any kind of educational leave of absence this time, right? It was just uh, um, getting tossed in. Um, you know, fortunately, I, I had the benefit of um, having a great engineering team to work with. This was when um, I joined an organization called Periscope Data, which, uh, you know, was being acquired by a company called Sysense at the time. Um, had a great group of engineers that I was able to partner with. And, um this is from the application and product security perspective, right? Was just be able to, you know, kind of start getting threat modeling in place. Um, but all of those pieces that you mentioned in terms of like, how did I build out my like hacker skill set and portfolio? That takes time. It takes, you know, I, I think consumption of meaningful content. Um, it also means, you know, going after certifications, not because you want to check a box and say, I have this certification, but I think the journey there um, assists quite a bit. You know, I got my CEH. Um, a couple years ago uh, now, and you know, learning about you know a lot of the tools along the way. It, it, for me, it wasn't just uh, again, it wasn't about the you know checking that box if I now have this certification. It was you know um, getting the materials, um, understanding how these tools worked. In some cases, uh, getting a better understanding of um, you know how these tools just functioned from um, you know an engineering level as well, right? Like that. That I think is the beauty of you know, working in security and working in engineering is that there's really uh, no opportunity to plateau unless you're putting yourself there uh, yourself, right? There's really no opportunity for boredom. Um, and, you know, tearing apart some of these these tools also just gave me a great understanding of, um, you know, how, how these uh, vulnerabilities are occurring, how these exploits happen. So I, I think a lot of it is just being innately curious um, and coming up with new uh, novel ways to either present a new attack vector to a team, um, help them understand what the risk is by, you know, exposing, you know, an additional endpoint. Um, and I, I'd say, again, just, it kind of goes back to finding signal amongst all the noise that are um, security, you know, training, security cert certifications, and find things, find mediums that make sense for you, whether you're going to consume via uh, Reddit, uh, or Twitter or LinkedIn, like wherever it is, find those thought leaders. Um, there's plenty of people to follow um, on LinkedIn as well, right? And, and of course, going to conferences, right? I was able to go to my first uh, DEF CON this year. Uh, so that was pretty rad. Like, you know, just being among, you know, 20, 30,000, you know, security practitioners across the, the entire spectrum of what uh, cybersecurity is. Um, that was awesome, right? You know, because I, I joined uh, security, you know, a few years ago now. And, you know, things got locked down, of course, as we all know. And so, uh, you know, these conferences weren't really happening in person. 
Um, and so I'd say go to these conferences, go to those villages, right? Like I, I in the workshops, I feel like that's where I get a lot of the benefit is just being able to sit down with, you know, other, uh, you know, with colleagues and other professionals in the field and just be able to sponge off of them. Um, you know, I, I think that is that is where I found the most lift is just being able to sit down with people and understand what they're working on um, and, you know, kind of understand the tools that they're using. And with regards to that networking in COVID, how do you go about that? How do you go about that growth when everyone was locked in a room um, and you couldn't you couldn't really go out? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was also locked in that room. Right. Um, but I, I was able to just use that uh, first, of course, you know, that first month we're all in it. We're like, all right, we just get to work from home. Uh, I'm just going to be relaxed and wear pajama pants, um, you know, all day. Right. Uh, but then as but then as we realized this was not going to end anytime soon, then it's OK. I, I need to make sure that I'm making some productive use of my time opposed to, you know, just going from uh, one screen to another screen, right? And, and of course, it's hard to um, pull your eyes away from a screen when you're wanting to learn something like, uh, you know, application security engineering or learn a new hacking tool. Like, how do you get yourself away from a screen? And so a lot of that, I think, is is balance, right? And so this may sound uh, like a tangent for a moment, but, you know, I, I think it's important to be able to find uh, the balance between, you know, your career, your life, you know, those things that you're learning and also just the, the downtime to pull your your eyes away from a screen and, and just do something uh, a little more, um, you know, either, you know, I like to 3D print, you know, I, I like to read, I like to, you know, uh, build things with my hands. So carpentry, right. Um, so, you know, what I did during that time was just try to find ways to stay productive and stay sane. Um, and so some of that was, you know, just taking online courses, it was reading books. Um, you know, I, I, I have this, uh, you know, Eve, this e-reader tool that I have, which allows me to just, um, at least it looks like a book, right? That way it's not this blue screen. So I'm able to pull down, you know, technical documents on there. And so I think it's about just finding balance, finding time to, you know, set aside for those uh, strategic things that you want to learn. Um, and also just make sure you make room for yourself and understand that really there's only so much time in our days and, you know, that we can't, you know, we're not always going to be able to um, achieve absolutely everything we're going after. And so it's important to, you know, focus that time. You mentioned books. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Uh, so right now I am, uh, I'm reading a technical document on uh, cloud security and best practices um, within AWS. Um, so it's not the uh, most uh, like, fun, interesting read that somebody's going to pick up on a, a Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm also reading uh, this one. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to show yeah, go ahead. Um, on screen, but Reinventing Cybersecurity um, is one that I picked up when I was at uh, B-Sides SF. I, I help uh, lead the uh, uh, the villages there with uh, Crystal Hazen. And so, you know, I, I think that's another uh, way to get involved and to learn um, is, you know, Find your local B sides, uh, volunteer uh, because it's a great way to uh, great way to meet people. Well, you can see I'm wearing the B sides charm here. Um, I saw I'm, that. I'm leading the B sides Nova Career Village uh, nice. coming up soon, uh, September 9th it, it, at Arlington GMU. Get your tickets still still available online if you're listening to this now. So September, actually September 10th. 
the workshops are on the ninth, but you mentioned the workshops are also something uh, good to check out and and Absolutely. get your hands on learning as well. So uh, check out those workshops as well. Um, let's kind of go on to you. It sounds like you've matured over the years to leading a team and hiring a team. Uh, what does that look for as you build out your team and you build out your pipeline for hiring folks? Yeah, so, you know, right now we're focusing on, uh, you know, an application security engineer and for our team. And, you know, a lot of that is I want somebody, you know, looking for somebody with technical chops. But, you know, uh, again, um, you know, technology is relatively an easy thing to wrangle, right? Um, there's on, only, you can obviously shape it in, in endless ways, but it's a bit more um, within your, your uh, scope of control. Uh, but, you know, looking again for people that have soft skills, which I'm still looking for a better phrase in soft skills. I don't know if you have one. I, I read something recently where somebody was calling it an essential trait, which also just doesn't feel right to me, maybe because trait feels inherent and something that you can't grow, whereas soft competency. skills. Competency. Okay, there we go. An essential competency. Um, and, you know, I, I think that is that is something that I'm that is going to be the number one for me um, every time. Because I think there, it is, it's much easier for somebody to come in and grow their technical skills um, than it is uh, to come in and, you know, grow out their uh, communication skills. It takes a bit more time, right? And, you know, again, you know, I think it's something that you can learn, but I think it takes a bit more time. And, um, and having somebody that is able to work and function across the organization and push initiatives through um, is is the number one focus for me. E even as we look to hire a, uh, a product security engineer as well um, in this coming quarter, you know, a lot of that focus again will you know look toward like how are how do they communicate? How do they ground the risk? Are they able to communicate with business? And how do they push initiatives through? You mentioned the term. How do they ground the risk? How did you learn to ground the risk? Yeah. So I think failing. Um, initially, right. Um, you know, also spending time, you know, again, with Ty to get his take on how to communicate these things out. Right. But, you know, of course, everybody's going to go after, uh, the way they approach work with their own flavor. Right. So it took me, uh, failing to really understand how to communicate, uh, risk. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I can think of a couple um, examples where, you know, I, I came in, okay, this is, this is why, uh, this is a risk and this is, you know, we, we, we have to change it. Like this is, this is, this is the risk that it presents to, uh, us from a, a technical level, right? Well, that really doesn't help anybody if you're only presenting it from a, a technical standpoint, right? And, and, and obviously, you know, as you look back in retrospect, that's, that's very obvious, right? Uh, but when, when you're in the moment, and you're thinking about it from a very engineering perspective. That is what is making sense for you, and you can become, you know, a bit myopic in your point of view, at the, your mm -hmm. perception, right? And so, grounding risk effectively to me uh, means being able to break it down to, you know, an ELI five level. Can I explain this, you know, in a way that makes sense? And you know, it's it's when I go back to thinking about threat modeling. Uh, one of the ways that I like to present how we think about threat modeling is, you know, it's something that we do every single day as humans, no matter the industry that you're working in, right? Like if you, if you are looking to cross a street, uh, you know, what do you do first? You stop, you look both ways 
and then you continue on. Maybe you look again, depending on your level of, you know, paranoia or risk, right? You're going to look at the lights. Are there lights there? Are there stop signs? Is there a crosswalk? Are you jaywalking? How fast is traffic moving? Is there traffic at all? Like you're analyzing all these different pieces uh, that could be risk, right? And so anytime that I go into these, you know, conversations now where I'm presenting these different risks to the business, I now try to break it down as if I'm crossing the street. I love that example of threat modeling. Uh, I, I love the concept of threat modeling and there's there different ways to do it, but you're right. We use it all the time and we use it on a daily, daily basis. And I think being able to share that with the business, you'll find that they do it all the time and yep. they have processes for it that you don't know about, but if you ask them, like, how do you think about this? And they go, oh, we did this. Now now you have a way to communicate in their language by using their terms. And they might not call it threat modeling. They might call it process analysis or um, points of failure or something else. But it's essentially the same thing. And um, that, that's just one of my, my own passions. So uh, interesting that you, touch, you, you touched on that. Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right in getting, um, you know, being able to communicate in their language, right? I think it's I think it's super important. Anytime you're moving into a new organization, a new company, a new team, uh, you get um, an understanding of what the shared language and shared vocabulary is, right? Uh, so that way you can communicate more effectively. Um, and, and especially, you know, to your point about threat modeling, you know, every organization is doing, every organization has their way of assessing risk. Um, and so being able to speak back to them in the way that they do it, I think is, um, is, is elemental. Oh, wow. We, we've gone through a half hour so quickly, Aaron. Oh, it's, yes. <laughs> it's been, it's been great having you on. Um, you're, you're, you're welcome back anytime. Maybe, maybe you could come back and talk about how, how you do your hiring and how you develop your teams. And we, we could do that aspect, um, another time, but thank yeah. you so much I'd for sharing to. your story. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. I'd love to come back on and have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. Absolutely. So those of you on LinkedIn, uh, Aaron's profile is down in the description. Those of you on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and notification button so you see when we come on next time. And those of you on Twitch, feel free to join us, follow us. And those of you after the fact, on podcasts, give us a 10-star review wherever wherever you're hearing us and share with all your friends and family. Thank you so much, all, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.